Common Knowledge Podcast. It's a man doing the best he can with what he got. And right now, I'm pleased to be with one of the OGs here in Japan, one of the consistently working actors, my uncle, one of my favorite uncles, Uncle Don. And now, and before y'all guys ask, are we really related? Uh, not by blood. However, <laughs> this is the man that actually got me started. Well, jump started my career here in Japan. So I want to say thank you for that, Uncle Don. Well, thank you, Marcus. I'm really happy to be here, happy to be talking, and uh, honored to be invited to your show. Now, just a little transparency this is a redo because I messed up the first one. (laughs) 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 And thank you for actually like indulging me because I, I, you know, technical issues, man, gremlins, they, they, they come, they come into play. You know, I, I didn't know if we we're going to talk about that or not, but <laughs> now that Please, we're talking you. about it, you know, my, my big fear here is that, you know, it's like, you know, the band releases their first album and it's like the hit, it's the home run, right? And then the second album sucks. It's sophomore like sophomore slump, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm just kind of worried here, like, we're going to miss the magic that you have when you have the first conversation, right? Uh, you know what? That's true. The sophomore jinx is a real thing. And I do remember the first conversation we had on the original podcast was about council culture. And you asked me, was I afraid of being canceled? And I told you that I don't think council culture exists, which I still stand by that. I don't think well, council culture is a real come thing. Come on. I mean, I, fr- frankly, I am still scared. You know, I, you know I'm, I'm crossing the Rubicon here, you know. Uh, moving to a place where my thoughts, my, my, you know, deep, well, my deepest thoughts and desires are being recorded, you know, and, 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 and you know, you, you might say, well, okay, cancel culture. Does it exist? Does it not exist? It doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. There are definitely people out there trying to cancel your ass if you say the wrong thing, according to them. And in, in what you say today may come and bite your ass five years from now. So when Marcus Johnson, you know, has a big, you know, produces this massive album in, you know, five years from now, and he's getting invited to all these talk shows and they dig out some of these podcasts, what are they going to find, man? <laughs> are you, you know, going to get canceled for late night? <laughs> all, right, all right. So, how, how, okay. How do you cancel somebody? Like I, I keep going back to this. What is a cancellation? What, what does cancellation mean? Well, you know, okay. They can't, you can't, when you just talk about semantics, yeah, yeah, you can't really cancel someone because, you know, there's still some way to, to talk. Your voice is not being taken away. But, but, and here's the important thing, it can affect the money, man. It can affect your job. It can affect your friends and family, too, right? See, I, I, will, I will argue that this is nothing new. Uh, we've made our bet a long time ago that you can get fired from your job from outside influences. Like that, that's the thing. Yeah. Um, also, it goes to accountability. Like you have the right to say something, anything you want. Like that's a good old free speech sure. saying that you have the right sure. to say everything, but you don't have freedom from uh, consequences. Like there's mm-hmm. repercussions for everything you say. So when people say council culture is a problem, I'm like, no, this is basically the equivalency of back in the day, writing a letter to the, to the editor. Like, yo, editor, I don't like what's going on. It's just now you got a megaphone because... Social media. No, you know, I, I can't disagree with you more, man. With social media now, things have changed. You know, there's one, these couple of noisy voices, right? They can move mountains now. I mean, everyone's voice gets amplified. 
You know, when people say some ridiculous things 10 years ago and the Twitterverse discovers it, you know, it can have big effects on you now today, you know? Whereas, you know, 15, 20 years ago, someone gets mad at it and, and writes a letter to the editor, man, crickets. All right, this is why I disagree with y'all. <laughs> because that's more of a us problem, right? The society has dictated that some of these things are no longer acceptable. So even okay. if a few people say that, yo, I don't like this, I think it's acceptable. If all of us in society as a whole be like, mm, that, that ain't nothing, then it'll never get traction. It's just now a lot of the paradigm is shifting and we're holding people accountable for things that were acceptable 30 years ago that's not acceptable now. And people are like, you know, right. oh, well, 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 you're counseling me. Not really, dude. We're just saying what you did then wasn't cool. Now, in most of these cases, a lot of these folks who are quote unquote getting canceled, they're still working. It's more of that, like, I remember when Eddie Murphy was supposedly getting canceled. No, somebody just pointed mm -hmm. out, yo, your comedy back in the 80s was, uh, you know, totally different. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it was though, like, right? Like it, it was, right. but right. you know, there it is. And it's like, oh yeah, that, that's the space I was back then. Bam. Keep it moving. Now, I think now the point that a lot of you guys are trying to make, I will acknowledge, like beating the dead horse and keep on trying to relitigate it, that that's a problem, right? Like once you point it out and somebody acknowledges it, yeah, move the hell on. Well, you know, that's the problem. We've had, you know, we spent so much time talking about all these bad things that people said five, 10 years ago. We, you know, we really haven't had the conversation about, you know, when can we let things go? When mm. can we just say, well, that was bad, but, you know, judging by the times, you know, that's what it was. You know, we got to start talking about redemption too, about, you know, how these people who did the wrong thing, you know? Now, that's how can I they come you. back? How can they change, man? Because people change, you know, yes. you're, you're not the person you were 10 years ago. No. No, no. Yeah, yeah. 10 years ago, Marcus was, was an asshole. Matter of fact, 15 years ago, Marcus, you'll find a lot of homophobic stuff I said. However, you bring it to me, I'm going to be like, yeah, that was me. I'm in a different headspace. And I think you also should say how you got to the different headspace. So, like, if you find that out, I'm going to acknowledge it. Oh, yeah, I was, I was in a different space that way. And I think the problem is now a lot of these folks are standing still in the fact that I didn't do nothing wrong. And I ain't going to answer for nothing, which is your right, though. I would say it's your right. You don't, If you feel like you don't have to answer for anything that you did in your past, don't. Cool. You can do the Kevin Hart thing. Like, I ain't answering for nothing and just pull yourself away. But I would still argue Kevin Hart was not canceled. He just pulled himself away. He's like, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. And that was a personal yeah, choice. You seem to know more about the whole Kevin Hart thing than I do. But didn't he apologize for those things? A couple of years before. Now, whether there was a sincere apology or not, you know, I can't judge. But didn't he apologize for for those things a few years before he took himself out of the Oscars? Uh, actually, the apology was the same year. But you know what? Let's let's just go with your assumption, though. Like, let's say he apologized for those things a few years before, and then three years later, it's time for him to host the Oscars, and people are bringing it back up again. So what? Like, well, so what? Because no one's going to watch the Oscars, or so what? No, no so the what? Oscars didn't pull on the, the. So what? Like, if people are mad that you said that and you already apologized, that's on you to move on. You don't have to pull yourself out the Oscars because somebody says something. It's like, yo, yeah, so what? I, I think he, you know, to him it was a distraction because he was going on talk show hosts and et cetera, and he, he was constantly getting questions about it, and questions about it. You know, I guess he felt like he already dealt with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, there is something about the punishment culture in, in America. Like, when you always have to be 
sorry and even after you paid your debt to society yo we gotta throw some more on you like check this box saying you're a felon because hey one point in time you made a mistake so there is something about exactly, like us yeah. getting over i'm with you on that but the whole notion of counseling people is like it, it spits in the face of accountability to me you know i just think i just think a lot of people out here are really arrogant about this whole thing right and listen to me you know you are judge or people are out there are judging people by the standards today realizing that 10 or 15 20 years from now the standards are going to change, right? And I think people are kind of high on their horse because their voice can be amplified so much by social media now. Mm. You know, so... That's kind of a different argument, though. Like, and this is why I say that. Like, yeah, historical context matters. Like, once again, if you look at George Washington and all the founding fathers, you can make the argument that these were profound visionaries and also make the argument that it was savage, racist assholes, right? You can make the argument. Both things can be true. It's just how are we going to look at it? I'm not right. judging uh, Thomas Jefferson on today's paradigm. However, when I look back on him, I'm like, yeah, Thomas, you, you had some problems. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yo, yeah. still, <laughs> still respect you as the founding father of America. Like more than one thing can be true. Some of these cancellations, we all can agree, need to be done. Like Harvey Weinstein, man, you was a rapist. Get the hell well, out of here. You know, there's definitely labels. I mean, that was like full on crimes, man. Mm-hmm. He was raping people. Right. So that wasn't council culture. That was just like criminality. Like he was being a criminal. The same thing with Louis C.K. Uh, you admitted to jacking off in front of like women comedians, bro. And all oh, the poor plants, man. He just took those potted plants out, didn't he? I mean, look, man, here's the thing, dog. Under no metrics is jacking off in front of somebody cool. You know, especially they don't want it. Now, some people make the argument with the women could have left. I'm going to disagree with you on that because there's a power dynamic, man. It's like, if I knock on your door and be like, yo, cut the music down. Then I knock on your door with an AR-15 say, cut the music down. It's, mm-hmm. it's two different dynamics. Same situation, right? If these comedians are trying to get their career jump started, and here's this dude just whipping out his dick, jacking it off, <laughs> you know, the pressure's a little bit harder than, you know, any other situation. Yeah, you know, I just see that, you know. You know, it's funny, you know, you bring up uh, the whole power politics thing about it. You know, I don't, I don't think we really know who we are until we have the power, right? You don't really feel, you, know, you don't really know what kind of person you're going to be until you're on top, until you have the power. This you know? is a true statement, yes. Yeah. DJ L. Spade yeah, of Displaced proudly level. presenting to you. You ready? K-Rider, new album, Turn the lights all on. this and Turn more. The on all digital streaming platforms may 7th check it out you going to the olympics if they give me a free ticket yeah (laughs) i'll stand for a free ticket if they give me a free ticket yeah. What has Marcus Johnson done to get a free ticket to the Olympics? Marcus Johnson is an international person in Japan during a pandemic <laughs> where you're not going to have any international guests coming into Japan because okay. they're, um, they're limited in the amount of people that can come in the Olympics, I'm not mistaken. I think only the athletes can come in. Is, is that right? Well, you know, 15,000 athletes plus they're like 90,000 
person entourage, trainers, whatnot, coaches, all that. You know what that adds up to? That adds up to a stand full of Japanese people. <laughs> and <laughs> you're going to want some international representation. So I will make the argument that I have a value add. My black face, it's only a few times I can say this, my black face <laughs> is, a, is a value add to your show. So if you give me a free ticket, yes, I will be there. Because you don't want to have an international television event with nothing but Asian faces in there. That don't look good. I, I, I see your point. I see your point. So you were of the opinion that the Olympics are actually going to happen? Nah, man. I'm going to record saying this. ain't going to be no goddamn Olympics. Like, I will stand so firm on this. You're dreaming about getting the ticket to something that's not going to happen. If you have these four Olympics, like, okay, even if the Olympics happen, it's not the Olympics. Like, the Olympics has passed already. I the see. moment has passed. Like, no matter what you're doing now, what they're doing now is the IOC doesn't want to pay Japan. It, it, that's what it is. It's like, once again, I owe the Japanese government an apology. I was like slandering them on previous podcasts saying they're, they're idiots for trying to do this. But it comes to find out that the IOC is the only entity that can cancel the Olympics. So Japan is like, all right, we're here. I mean, they can cancel it, but they'll be on the hook for all the money. Truth. But no, I will go. If they give me a free ticket, because this ain't a real Olympics, dude. It, it ain't. Yeah. For, well, go back, rolling it back a second. I think the Olympics are going to happen, man. I think the train has left the station and <clears throat> whatever happens, it's going to barrel into the next station. The train is on I fire. Mean, it might, <laughs> yeah, it might be on fire. It might crash. It uh, might take out a lot of people. Um, but I think it's going to happen in one way or another. Yeah. And I agree with you here. It is not the Olympics. I mean, the Olympics, it's this massive festival of people from all over the world gathering to watch this sporting event. I mean, the, the Japanese uh, authorities, authorities, the Japanese government um, or committee here was predicting that over 600,000 foreigners were going to travel to Japan for the Olympics, you know. And now besides the uh, 15,000 athletes and maybe 90,000 hanger-ons, you know, that number is zero. So, you know, yeah, the Olympics aren't happening. The sad thing about that was uh, last year I went to Osaka during the uh, the go-to-travel event. Oh, you did? Yes. The go-to-travel event, like, gave everybody in Japan discounts to travel around Japan because the tourism was, you know, hurting and everything. I went to Osaka. Great trip. Okay. I was eating some um, good old konomiyaki. Went to this nice restaurant. Right? I think it was so good, I went there three times. Great place. <laughs> I thought you liked more variety in life, man. I didn't know you were like going to the same feeding trough three times in a row. In one it was trip. just that good. <laughs> like, no, I ate different stuff. When I got there, everything was good. And this, a lot of these owners are just dependent on the Olympics to come through and save their businesses. And it's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. And at the end of all this, you know, it's going to be uh, the day where we all have to settle up. Our taxes are going up. You know, we're all mm. going to have to pay for the billions of dollars that were spent on this. And of course, on all these programs to help us through the pandemic, you know, some of them better than others. I mean, go to travel, Jesus, you know, go to spread virus across country. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, who in their right mind came up with that program? That was just so dumb. Do, do you think anyone else in the world, did any other country in the world say like, hmm, people are hurting. Let's make them travel more in, the, in a pandemic. <laughs> look, man, it's about this capitalism. Like, seriously, it's about this capitalism. Like, you're looking at all these businesses suffering. And as a government, if you're going to tell these businesses, yeah, look, 
you can't open. You have to stay closed for health reasons. Then as a government, you are legally responsible for those people and the jobs and their income. So it's this half-ass, like, I don't want to pay you and take care of you, but I got to do something. So, hey, go to travel, discounts. Hey, guys. It's like, yo, if it's that dangerous and it's going to mess everybody up, why not be like, look, everybody in this country, I don't care who you are, we're going to give you $2,000, sit your ass at home. 2000 a month. <laughs> well, they just they just should have given people money. I mean, mm-hmm. the whole thing, you know, we have to get through the pandemic. Having people travel around more isn't going to help. It's just, it's just the stupidity of the situation. This, you know, it makes me laugh. You know, they, they would have done much, much better if they had worked on actually solving the problem of the pandemic, i.e., I don't know, preparing to vaccinate people. Ooh. They're going to they're gonna cancel you for that one. <laughs> You're getting canceled listening. for that. Hey, man. Think they're listening. They always listen to me. Like, yo. But no, you're right. You're totally right. I totally agree that the focus was on the wrong spots. And not just Japan. All these countries. Like, back in America when the last guy was in. Uh, once again, let's give him his roses. Operation sure. Work Speed was a success. That's sure, something yeah. the Trump uh, administration did great. Let's give him his roses. However, everything else was just a complete fuck up. Yeah. Well, you know, America is now is slowly approaching. I think we're at 586,000 people have died officially in the United States from COVID. 586,000 people officially dead, right? I mean, you compare it out to Japan. Japan has had 12,000 die, right? Now, Japan has mm, roughly about, well, America has roughly about 2.5 times the population of Japan. 586,000 people. Wow. I don't know, man. Like, this whole thing has been stupid. Once again, when the history of this time is written, they're going to say, all y'all was just dumb as hell. Like, people don't understand, like you made reference to, that in the next two years, we're going to start paying for stuff that we did now. Like yeah. uh, in America, idiots are like, yo, it's Biden's fault that lumber is so high. I'm like, no, it's a, the pandemic's fault that lumber is so damn high. For a whole year and a half, nobody needed lumber. So now these companies are going to try to recoup that money by inflating the prices. Come on, dude. This is how the market works. Well, inflation is already hitting the United States. And frankly, you know who it's going to hit the most? You know, the people on the, the lower parts of the you know, economic system here. Because, again, they're just, you know, their, their uh, hourly wage isn't going up, right? And, you know, over the last 10, 20 years, the actual purchasing power of their wage has been going down. And frankly, um, with the inflation we're going to get from all the money they printed during the pandemic, man, it is going to get worse. Thank you, know? you for saying that, man. That's why. Okay. I just had this argument with somebody about a living wage. They was like, where's a living wage? A living wage is anything you can live off of. I'm like, do you sound real fucking stupid? The living wage is the, the wage determined by the Department of Health when they take the median of all incomes in America that it takes for a family of four to live. Now, here's the, here's the, the, the thing to it, right? The living wage in America is only 26000 a year for a family of four. That's just enough money to say you're broke. It's not that high. Now, you look at that, when you do the math, 
for somebody working 40 hours a week to make $26,000 a year. That's literally 12, if I'm not mistaken, $12.95 an hour. $12.95. That is what a living wage is. And my question to the guy who said, well, living wage is anything you can live off of. I'm like, well, what are all these jobs that somebody's working full time that you don't think somebody should make $20,000, $26,000 a year? Like what jobs are not worth that to you? Like just make a list of all the jobs you think is not worth that if you're working 40 hours a week. I would make an argument, none. If you're working full time, I don't care what your job, you can be a shit shoveler. I agree, man. I mean, yeah, if you're working 40 hours a week, you know, you shouldn't be on food stamps, right? You know, any right. kind of system where, where you need government, you're working 40 hours a week, right? And you're on food stamps or other kind of government programs. That is just wrong, you mm. know? And, and frankly, that's the responsibility of the government to come in there, you know, raise the minimum wage, throw some regulation out there. I mean, it is a crime that people are working at Walmart and on food stamps. Exactly. Exactly. It's an indictment that people were saying that right now workers don't want to come back because they're lazy and their unemployment is more than their uh, salary. That's an indictment of how low we pay people. If you're telling me that the unemployment benefits people are getting now because of COVID is more than their regular salaries, that's telling you that maybe their salary, they're getting paid too low. (laughs) Come on, do the math. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, there's probably a lot of other things going on there too. You know, people look at it, look at the, what, you know, they're one, they're weighing the scales here. It's like, do I want to go back? Right. And, 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 and live in, well, work under those horrible conditions and have the risk of still getting sick, you know, cause remember the vaccine program is, you know, has been going forward, but there's still risk out there. Right. Especially among the unvaccinated. Right. Yeah. No. Why would you want to do that? All right, so peep game, right? This is like the funniest-ish ever. Okay. So five years ago, if you can recall, it was a big fast food worker strike. They was marching, and they said, yo, we need $12 an hour. That's a living wage, $12 an hour. The argument was, we can't pay these folks $12 an hour because the price of the McDouble is going to go up to $4, and those 99-cent chicken nuggets are going to go up to $2, and you don't want that, right? But you fast forward now, all those same fast food restaurants saying they can't find workers are now offering $15, some of them free iPhones, some of them healthcare benefits, just to get workers in. So what does that tell you? It tells me what they were saying was bullshit. There you go. Like, the argument was, hey, if we pay you this, we're going to get rid of you and get automated machines in. And automation is a real thing, right? But... They just didn't want to pay these folks. You know, we're talking about the United States here. And I think one of the problems the United States, people are always like staring at their belly. They don't see anything across the border. I mean, and they should. I mean, look to Europe, look to Australia, you know, um, where I say the, the lower side of the, you know, economic uh, situation of people is a lot better, right? And look at the wages they're getting paid. Yeah. And maybe things are a little bit more expensive, but it's a much better system. Also, Uncle Don, you know what it is? What's that? As an American? What's that? We're haters. We're haters. We're, like <laughs> At our core, we are bottom-feeding, knuckle-dragging haters. If you, <laughs> it, seriously, if you say anything like about helping people on the bottom, 
the instant reaction is, what about me? Like you can bail out the airlines 90 million damn times. You can bail out Wall Street because they have a sense of being important. But when you talk about doing something for people on the bottom, you know, the fast food workers, the restaurant, the waiters, it's an air of like, I'm better than those people. So no, no, you don't deserve to have a living wage. Basically, you don't deserve to make $26,000 a year. You don't deserve it. Why? Because you're not as good as me. Because we're haters. Yeah, you know, you know, having come from America and moved to Japan, that's one thing I really realized about America. You know, in America, there's this kind of pervasive attitude. And I don't know where exactly it comes from. Maybe we receive it as the wisdom that, you know, if you're working as a janitor or you're working at a McDonald's, you know, trying to get by and feed your family, you're a loser. It's because you didn't try hard enough. You didn't study hard enough, right? You know, here in Japan, man, it doesn't matter what your job is. It doesn't matter if you're flipping burgers, cutting hair, you know, cleaning the streets or whatever. People take pride in their work yes. and they're respected for what they do. And, you know, and, and people take it for granted. That's the way it is. But in America, man, if you're not on the top, it's your own fault, which is just a bunch of bullshit. Just think about this for, for, for a second, right? You, We were sitting shit on the fast food worker who's slaving away on that hot stove, flipping those burgers, and laugh at him and be like, okay, you know, it's your, your fault for not having a better paying job. Then look at a Wall Street broker who does nothing but just sit at a desk, shuffle numbers, and call him a genius. He's just, it's a game and he's playing the system. He's more mm -hmm. well-connected, more well-connected in Washington. Um, the system's designed for him. And frankly, when he gets in trouble, you know what he does? I am very important, you know, give me the money to save my business, man. You know, there's no, <laughs> socialism isn't allowed in America unless you're in Wall Street. Facts, facts. That's like one of the biggest things I rail against. People are like, well, no. Biden wants to do socialism. Like, we already got socialism, guys. Socialism's already here. What are you talking about? I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, we get in this kind of conversation. I, I just, you know, sometimes just start to shake my head. You know, I don't know what to say. I don't, I don't think things are going to change overnight, though I wish they would. You know what? The market is dictating a lot of things right now. And uh, good on the people now, the fast food workers who get that unemployment, who got these folks by the balls. I say, man, good on you. Force these people to pay everybody a living wage because the dirty truth is sure. if you can't pay nobody a living wage, you're not a viable business and go ahead and shut that shit down. Exactly. Yo, what's up, DJ L Spade? Common Knowledge Podcast. If you like my podcast, maybe you'll like my music too. I humbly ask that you go listen to my music on Spotify, Apple Music, or other music streaming service providers. Thank you. I don't know if you read about this, it's a yearbook scandal going on in Florida right now. A yearbook scandal? Yes. I haven't heard about this. I have you not. Oh, well, you no. know what? Let me pull this up for you. I because... kind of slept in this morning. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah. I got this. I woke up. I rolled out of bed, you know, looked at my phone. The first thing I say is, message from Marcus. <laughs> and that's why I'm here. <laughs> What's something in Florida? Well, does that surprise me? Of course it's going to be Florida. Go on. <laughs> I give their bridge version. The girls of the high school went to all mm -hmm. take their yearbook pictures. And okay. because maybe some cleavage, cleavage, I can't even speak to cleavage, I can't even speak. 
some titties. That's because you, you know, because you never say the word cleavage usually. Yeah, cleavage. Boobs, right? I say boobs. So. Cle- cleavage. Cleavage. Oh, there it is. Cleavage. Cleavage. Yeah, because some cleavage was showing. They actually edited out a lot of it, like this, a lot of the pictures. So, like, if you saw like the bus line and the uh, the titty crack, they just <laughs> erased it. What, what do you mean like erased it? Did they like did they they cut that part off or mm-hmm. added like bars? Photoshop and yep. flatten you out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All that. All the above. All of the above. Yes. Jeez. Well, yeah, that's 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 just dumb. You know, we're humans. That's that's how we're built. That's how we're made. And again, you know, kind of just reminds me of the thing how like women weren't allowed to wear skirts, especially mini skirts in high school, because you know the the male students wouldn't be able to concentrate. You know, it, it seems like you know we can't we can't show women you know cleavage you know underneath their clothes because you know it might make them think strange thoughts you know there's something wrong with that kind of thinking in these days you know like the greatest disservice done to me growing up was me being taught that i had no control over myself like oh. that that was the the narrative push as a guy oh you know guys can't control themselves if we see it we got to get it and that's just utter bullshit right I, the, the problem right. is yeah. instead of like teaching men to control themselves that we rather just demonize the women like yo boobs if i see boobs i just, I just can't control myself you know how i am i'm a man and that's just right BS, boys dude. will be boys right the, the whole boys will be boys argument is something like the most greatest disservice we did to our young men like, you should be able to control yourself like me personally do i love boobs yes do i look at boobs all the damn time However, it shouldn't be such a distraction in my life to the point I can't do anything else. Like, how dare you show your breastless? Now I can't be productive in life because of your titty balls all in my face. Come on, dude. What are we doing? I said, frankly, you know, it's just a picture in our yearbook. I mean, who, who, who thought up this? Who decided this? Right, right. Who, like, why would you even do this? This is not even. <laughs> you know, you get your, your, your yearbook. Well, at least when in my time, you got your yearbook, you know, uh, a few weeks at the end of the year, you get people to sign it and that's it. You're off on simplification. I mean, who really cares? <laughs> so the argument for the administrate the administrators of this um, Tate County High School, they said the students didn't follow the dress code. So because they didn't follow the dress code, that's why they did the Photoshop and add the bars and stuff like that. My rebuttal is if they didn't follow the dress code, you shouldn't have let them take the picture. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. I don't know. God, you you know, it's funny. You just reminded me of something terrible that I saw when I was back in university. I've actually never told anyone about this. Ooh, about to get these ratings. Go ahead. Okay, so... Well, yeah. Okay, I'll just say, I, I went to a, a rather uh, large, uh, fairly good university. University of Pennsylvania. Let's just get that out there, right? And I was going for my yearbook picture, which was in College Hall. And you just, you know, you, you had like a couple of weeks. You just had to pick an appointment and show up and get your, your photo snapped. And uh, yeah, that's about it, right? So I went there. And um, while I was waiting in line, there were a few people in front of me. And there was one guy, I can't say exactly where he was from, um, but my guess would be somewhere in Africa. And he was dressed up in all his 
traditional whatever clothing. I'm guessing the traditional uh, formal clothing for where he was from. And he tried to get his picture taken and they absolutely refused. You know, they're saying, no, you have to be in a suit. You have to, you know, this is how we're doing it, right? You're not allowed to get, you know, um, not allowed to get your picture taken in this. And he argued, argued, this is my formal wear. This is, you know, what I want to look like. And, you know, end of the day, he was booted out. And I suppose he uh, never got his picture taken. And I suppose, you know, that was, you know, a very bad way to end his four years at university. I don't know. Kind of made me sad. Still think about it. You know, we may have stumbled on something right here because here's the thing about dress codes, right? Yeah. Dress codes on their face are not inherently racist. And I've had this discussion with a lot of people. It's just how the dress codes are enforced sometimes that like lead to disparities. Okay, can you clarify that? What do you say? So, all right, this is the thing, right? I, this is my college. This happened to me, me and my um, fraternity brothers. Matter of fact, we weren't fraternity brothers at the time. It was me, my friend Outlaw, TJ, and somebody else, I forgot his name, and me. We went to this, uh, we went to school at the University of Tennessee at Martin, let me just say that. It's not okay. a bastion of like diversity, and there's not many spots you can go. But if it's this one club, I, the name escapes me at the time. But the ratio of black to white was like kept, <laughs> kept very, very like solid. Like it had to be more white people in there. So okay. the dress code was uh, no baggy pants, no athletic gear, no hat. Right? Cool. Right. So we grow in a group of four. I go up to the door. They're like, yeah, you're good. You can walk in. TJ goes to the door. Oh, you're good. You can walk in. The other guy goes to the door. Good. You can walk in. Outlaw comes to the door. It's like, oh, nope. Mm -mm. You don't you don't match the dress code. You can't go in. So Outlaw's like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, your shirt's too baggy. So, <laughs> all right. We're not going to leave Outlaw out. So we all go back to the door. Outlaw's like, hell nah, man. Look, all right, I'm going to change clothes. So I never forget Outlaw changed clothes. Went back. Yeah. There's like, oh, nah, your pants too baggy. And, you know, <laughs> us three, we pass. They're like, your pants too baggy. He's like, all right. So at this point, we could have stopped. But at this point, Outlaw had a point to prove. So dude puts on the tightest jeans and a button-up shirt, tucks in the shirt, yeah. right? Puts on, <laughs> like, like, no chains, no jewelry, anything, right? Like, definitely pointing it out. Mm. comes up there and it's like oh yeah you're good oh so they did let him in <laughs> but here's the twist now ironically i didn't make the dress code oh shit the same stuff i had the first two times i had on this time and i didn't meet the dress code so at that point it's just obvious what you was doing <laughs> you was keeping the black to white ratio at a certain point true story you know yeah yeah you know you know kind of felt that coming you know sometimes mm. these kind of rules you know, the intention's rather different. It's just to have an excuse to keep people out right. when you need to keep people out. You know, having a dress code is okay, but one thing a dress code never does, and this is the fault—the fault of the dress code. They always tell you what you can't have. 
They never tell mm-hmm. you what you can't have. Nobody ever puts up a picture of, hey, this is what you need to look like if you want to come in here. It's always ambiguity. Like, yo, no, because uh, it's all dependent on the person. It's like when you say I can stop you for suspicious activity. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> right. Yeah. What is suspicious? Like, I have a friend here in Japan who got stopped by the, the police, and they're like, "We stopped you because you was uh, suspicious." He's like, "What's suspicious? You're walking home at twelve thirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Like, literally, they stopped him because he was walking home at twelve thirty, and he had a hoodie <laughs> on and, and a gold chain. This is a white guy, by the way, too. And let me guess. So then they asked to see his like inside of his pockets or inside of his bag or something. Oh, did, did, funny, right? This is. <laughs> I'm going to tell right, this story. Right. And yes. if you say no, then you're even more suspicious. Exactly. That's exactly what happened. They end up taking him in. Oh, they did? Yes. And why, did why, he, so why did they take him in? How? What, what kind of justification did they give? All right. I'm going to tell this story. If he gets mad at me, cool. I'm not going to say his name. So what happened was he was walking home from a party. Uh, of course, you know, last train is like at 1230. So right. he was walking from... Akasaka to Nakano. Not a terribly long walk. It's about an hour. So he's like, you know what? I just walk it. Walking home, he walks past um, Shinjuku and the cops stop him. Like, yo, you're suspicious. Okay. So he's like, all right. Japanese is impeccable. So he's talking to him. They're like, look, we need to search you. So they search him. Now he has this little bitty pocket knife. Mm-hmm. Tiny, like not even an inch. Okay. That he uses to open up boxes because he gets boxes all the time for his business. So the cops find the, the little knife on his keychain. Wait, why do you have a knife? There's nothing illegal about that. Exactly. He's like, well, it's not illegal. It has to be around such and such an inches, centimeters, and this is under that. And they're like, but you have a knife. It's a weapon. He was like, yeah, but it's under the regulation. It's like, yeah, uh, we need to take you in. And he was like, what? No. <laughs> and so then they called more police officers. And he's just sitting there back against the wall. It's like, yo, uh, we would like for you to come in. And he's like, no. So then they bring more officers. And they get right up to his face. It's like, yo, uh, we would like for you to come in. So it's obvious he's being coerced to come in there. Oh, yeah, it is. It's like, you know, at some point, like, you bump into the wrong one. You know, and suddenly, suddenly you're assaulting one, right? Exactly. You know? You're not allowed to touch him. That's the thing. So he's like, all right. So he goes in there with him. He's talking to him and everything like that. And thank God his Japanese is impeccable because they're sitting there writing stuff in the report. like, And it's like, hey, sign this. Especially the confession. They're like, hey, I was walking and I had a knife and I know the knife is wrong. So I'm saying it's wrong. And I told the police officer. And he's like, no, 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 no. You need to change this. This ain't what happened. <laughs> like, no. I didn't want to come here. <laughs> like, and you're putting it here that I was wrong. Like, no, this is not what I said. So they're like, oh, this damn guy just can read Japanese. <laughs> so, so they're like, oh, let me change this around. So he's talking to, you know, they always have a, like a little administrative person in there who's not an officer right. signing the paperwork. He's like, like, why am I getting stopped? And then the administration person was like, had I saw you on the streets, I would have stopped you too. He goes to file a complaint the okay. next day. Well, what did I get stopped for? Why did I get stopped? And why did you change the paperwork? They literally told him this. Uh, well, you know, we're not professionals at this. He's like, what the hell do you mean you're not professionals? We're not professionals. <laughs> yes, they this. told him oh, we're not geez. professionals at this. They know exactly what they're doing, man. I mean, sometimes the police in Japan just kind of remind me of a gang. <laughs> but you got to be careful, you know? And I've, I've heard this story in different variations of the story so many times. And it's like, you know, it's a debate. What are you going to do? 
Like you're not really doing anything. And, and you know, it's wrong what they're asking for, what they're trying, but it's, sometimes it's just easier to say, okay, fuck it. Let's just go and get it over with. You got to pick and choose your battle. I've been stopped by the police, but mm-hmm. my hard line is you're not going to search me. Okay. I, and I stay firm on that. Like if you want to search me, we're going to go to the police box. I'm going to ask right. you to take me there. Uh, before I show my ID to any officer, I always ask to see their ID, their badge. Because right. there was, um, I don't know if you noticed or not, but like about seven years ago in Rapungi, it was a bunch of like regular Japanese people dressing up like police officers, just stopping foreigners and asking for the ID. I believe it. For no damn reason, just ask for the ID. And um, so my whole thing, and then some of them like, I'm playing, I'm a plainclothes police officer. Like no uniform or anything like that. Like I'm a police officer, I need to see your ID. I'm like, mm, nah, dude. So my Isn't whole that thing- like a crime? And in every other country, that's like a, a big crime, impersonated police officer. It's a crime here too, but you run to the thing that you're talking to like foreigners and this is a fault of a lot of us, but some of us can't speak Japanese. Some of us don't have an understanding of the culture. So you get taken advantage of. And that's the thing, right? So I personally, I'm like, look, no, you're not going to search me. I always ask, is it mandatory? I'm like, yo, is it mandatory? In most cases I am, but I always say, man, I'm here to work. So if this ain't mandatory, please let me go. Mm-hmm. So the, the most I will give you is my ID. Because I'm legally required to give you my ID and sure. to prove I'm not an illegal immigrant, which sure. I have problems with that too. But that's like set in stone that after my ID, I'm supposed to show it to them. So, bam, you can you can see my ID. Let you know I'm not an illegal immigrant. When you start talking about searching my shit, man, get the fuck out of here, dog. Like, under what suspicion? So, if you want to arrest me for that, yeah, I, I go down for that. Because I hate to see people, majority black, like in Rapungi, just getting roughed up and filled up. You got five officers on them. They just going all in the balls, molesting them, trying to find stuff. Like, yeah, not me, dog. Not, not me. And this is the country that's supposed to be holding the Olympics in two months. It's a good yeah. thing. None of the foreign spectators are allowed to come. <laughs> right, right. Yo, this is my whole thing about that. Like, yo, this this country, and let me just say this. I love Japan. Been here. Uh, so do I, so do I. Almost yeah. 10 years. I love it. Yeah. It's a great, it's, it's a great place. Like, I don't want to come across like, I don't like the place. However, if you live anywhere long enough, you will see the flaws and everything has its ups and downs. But one of the downsides of Japan is it's super homogenistic and homogeneous. Foreigners only make up like one to 2% of the whole population. And then when you talk about like Americans, that's like point something percent. Of all there's of us in 55, here. I, you know, it's funny. I, I just looked at these statistics recently. There's only 55,000 Americans in Japan right now. We have a population of 126 million here. Yeah, that's like what? 0.005? It's just a drop in the bucket. Yes. It's nothing. It's just a drop in the bucket. So you stick yeah. out, man. Like contrasted to the Ibaraki thing when it's like, yo, don't eat with foreigners. <laughs> because foreigners have COVID. If you don't want to get COVID, don't eat with foreigners. And I'm scared of foreigners too. Especially the young ones, man. When they, when they're talking about like like was it like the farmers don't eat with the foreigners in 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 Ibaraki, and they're probably doing farming, right? Was that the yes. whole thing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you know they're probably in their twenties, maybe thirties, but probably in their twenties, right? Um, you know, in, in Japan, in probably most places in the world, you know, for for a whole year, they're telling everyone that uh, you know, people in the twenties don't really get sick from COVID. So now yes. what's happening is all these people in the 20s are going out and having a good time. And 
surprise, surprise, they're the ones who are getting sick. And those are the ones who are actually also taking it back to their workplaces, also taking it back to their families. True. Um, yeah. I mean, definitely, definitely they shouldn't have said foreigners. Um, they probably should have said, like, you shouldn't be getting together in groups, man. But like, that's all. <laughs> if I see like group of like 20 somethings, you know, now, you know. Me too. I'm ducking away. Slowly back out of the room. <laughs> I'm scared. I mean, young folks in general are stupid. And, I, and I'm not saying this as a pejorative, guys. I was stupid when I was young, too. But there is nothing I trust a 20, 20 or 21-year-old to do responsible. <laughs> responsibly. I don't. Like, seriously, that's, that's my whole knock about, like, having young police officers. It's like, yo, I'm not trusting a guy, like, 25 or under with authority. Like, I, am I supposed to trust you? Like, come on. Like, dude. You know, you don't... Fuck, yeah. I mean... <sighs> You get it, but who becomes a police officer? I really want to know. I, 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 I haven't grown up with anyone who's become a police you officer. No, it's like, do they have a chip on their shoulder? What, what, what are they out there to do, man? Why? Okay, why, let me would say wanna, why would you want to do this? Let me say this. We need police officers, and police officers are a cornerstone of any great society. I feel like your guys are underpaid, and your job is important. Yes. With that caveat out the way. A lot of these guys who became police officers were the chip on the shoulder. I was picked on. I'm going to flex my authority now, guys. Exactly. You know, I have actually no evidence of this, but I feel that there's a lot of police officers out uh, a lot of police officers out there that became police for the wrong reason. Yes. <laughs> I know so. I grew up with the high school with them. Like, okay, I wasn't just straight laced <laughs> in high school, right? I, and I did do some things, right? And maybe I was a uh, a faux tough guy, right? But I remember when I got like to 25 years old, one of these guys in high school that maybe I wasn't too nice to, shame Damn. on me. He couldn't wait to lower his power because he's a police officer. He stopped me. He had me get out the car, show my ID, ask me where I was going. Made oh, me late on purpose. I'm like, all right, man, you got it. You right. You got it. <laughs> but that happens a lot, dude. You'd be surprised about how many of these guys were really just like losers in high school? Some people have like fantasies of coming back to high school, having made it big, you know, rich with a big car. Other ones have fantasies of like, shit, I'm just going to pull you over and <laughs> make you put your hands on the hood and show you who you are. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing with a lot of these um, interactions with police officers that go wrong. It's the total lording of power. A lot of these people are just egomaniacs and sociopaths. Like when you give mm -hmm. them a little authority, they lose their damn mind. As I said, you don't, you don't know who you are until you have the power. True. Right. When you have the power, you see what kind of person you actually are, the actual kind of person you will become. We didn't talk about this last time, but I'm going to go ahead and dip in it. And if you feel uncomfortable, where are you taking me, Marcus? <laughs> There's been a string of like, Unarmed black people getting beat and abused by the police. The recent one was um, Ronald Green, who was basically lynched in Louisiana. He was beat, murdered, and lynched. How do you stop stuff like that from happening? Because I think we just identified the problem that a lot of these folks were just sociopaths. And when they had the power, they go overboard with it. How do you think we regulate that? Wow. Um... Two words, police reform. So correct me if I'm wrong, 
but I believe black Americans are being killed by the police twice as many times as any other ethnic group. Yes. In America. Right. Yes. But the police are also killing people that shouldn't be getting killed in other ethnic groups, whether Mm -hmm. you're white, Asian, Latino, you know, I, I think it's a police problem. It's a bigger problem for African-Americans, right? So, you know, I think the right way to go about this is to make it a civil rights issue that's affecting all Americans. You know, I, I think, you know, when all these kind of civil rights issues, um, you know, everything that's been happening the last year, I, I think there's been some branding problems. You know, there, there's a way to get things done without pissing people off on the other side, right? You know, it's like if you're doing something for a specific ethnic group, right? Um, you know, it's it's easy for the people who might not agree with you to call you out on it, right? Whereas you have policies that are for everyone, even though even though they they change the world more for one particular group of people. If you do that, they're a lot more popular. So I think with police reform, you have to do it but you should make it a civil rights issue affecting all Americans. All Americans will benefit. African-Americans will benefit more. I totally disagree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Why. Like, yo, uh, you're going to have to piss people off. It's kind of the all lives matter thing. It's like, yo, it, it becomes like the intent is great and I get it, but it becomes a, a passive way to kind of deny the issue. Like, Everybody will admit like, like black folks are disproportionately being killed based on any other ethnic group. But then you go back to the, oh, well, other folks are getting killed too. Yes, but do you not see the thing? Black people are getting killed more. <laughs> so this shows a specific problem. Don't hide from the problem. It's always just like, no, but you can't just do something for black people only. However, we just passed the anti-hate bill for Asian people. That was cool. Like, nobody said anything about that. But when you talk about doing stuff for Black people, it's always this, I don't want to offend people. I don't want nobody getting mad. It's like, yo, it's a Black person I can't help but see. Like, every time you talk about doing stuff for Black people, it's like, oh, come on, guys. We need to get in committee and talk about it. You know, I I, I get what you're saying. and I But again, I think that you have to be smart about it, right? Like, look. There are people who don't want to have, you know, don't want to help African-Americans. They actually want things to stay the way they are or get worse, right? Doing something for all people, you know, branded that way won't work at all, all for all things, okay? But hear me out here, man. If you do things for particular groups, right, and you, I don't know, piss off other people, you know, even though they, you know, they're, they shouldn't be pissed off, you might be out of power, right? You might get voted out. And so you got to also play the long game on here. You know, it's just like, you know, there, there are more African-Americans in poverty, right? Mm-hmm. And these people need to be helped, right? right. And it's a long conversation, man. Um, the, the, the child tax credit, for example, all right? Great. You know, that lifted, I don't know what's... What are they saying? Something like 40% of children um, 
that yeah, poverty, were in yes. poverty have suddenly been lifted out of poverty. And frankly, that, you know, that has um, benefited, well, the African-American community has benefited more than some other communities, right? But frankly, that policy is also very popular and effective. But if we do something for a specific group, sometimes, you know, you start, it starts getting attacked and the people putting these policies, um, they could be voted out of office. You know, okay. it's, 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 it's a hard line, man. I, I, I get what you're saying, but like, you know, I, I venture to say that it's more important to solve the problem. How do we value black life? And, and I'm not saying this like as a, okay. as, as a, a, a knock on like white people in general, but this is kind of what's been baked in the cake, right? When you look at, yes, a majority of black kids are in poverty, but when you start digging into why, that's because it's been systemic and problematic things that were black folks was targeted in. So like mm-hmm. black folks was targeted for redlining, black folks was targeted for Jim Crow, black folks was targeted for slavery. Like all these things mm-hmm. are lines you can draw to show why black people are in the plight there now. Like things are getting better. Now, first, let me say, I know things are getting better. But if you have all those things that were specifically done in targeting black people, you're going to need specific things targeted to help black people, right? And I, once again, as a black guy, I can't help but notice that, look, when you talk about anti, anti-Semitism and doing something for uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters, no problem. When you talk about doing stuff for farmers, hey, no problem. You know, and I know you're going to say, well, farmers are not a race. Well, the only thing is during the USDA in the 1950s, they systematically excluded black farmers for getting subsidies. We keep on trying to put band-aids and all this stuff instead of saying, look, man, we have a problem with how we view black lives. Right. So then you say something like black lives matter. The rebuttal is no, all lives matter. Yeah. But can we focus on the black ones? Because once again, stuff was systematically done and pointed towards black people. So. My thing is, you're going to have to piss some people off. Yeah, you're going to have to piss some people off. But I, you know, again, you want to piss some people off, and that's great, man. But just, you want also want to stay in power. You want to be, have the opportunity to make the laws, to make the changes, right? And if you're not in office and can't do that, you know, that's the end of the equation. Um, but I want to roll this back. You know, you said something, and I, I think I, I'm going to call you out on this. You said, you no. said things are getting better. And I disagree with you. I don't think things are getting better. You know, it's true. Yeah. Um, The African-American community, you know, has made legal and political rights gains basically back, I don't know, in the 60s or something. We're talking about, you know, less than a lifetime of one person. Um, They finally got their legal and political rights. But I'd venture to say things that things haven't gotten better. Right. I, I, you know, Hmm. there's, you know, the, the people are still stuck in poverty. They're still have these structural problems that keep them, you know, to, to rise into who they actually can become, you know, and mm. I, I would say that is because the focus a lot of the time is on, you know, bigotry and racism. Okay. Mm. You know, that there's bigots out there. There's people who have racist thoughts, you know, and frankly, yeah, that's wrong. That's bad. But I got to also tell you, there's not much we can do for it. Right. Especially mm-hmm. there's not much, that the government can do, right? Whereas one of the things that doesn't get talked about a lot is that the reason why things haven't gotten better is because the aftershocks of slavery and segregation. You know, um, there was a great migration of people from the South um, from 1916 on trying to escape 
Jim Crow and getting to a better life, to getting to better jobs. And they headed north, right? And what did they find there? Well, you know, life was better. A different kind of racism. <laughs> well, yeah, different kind of racism. Like, you want to live in this neighborhood? No, you're not going to be, you know? And that's why you have, you know, black communities and white communities. You know, there's lines, right? You know, back in the day, man, you, you moved, you know, white person buys a house in this neighborhood. You had to sign a covenant that said, you can't sell this house or rent this house to a colored person. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and that was like totally legal until 1968. You know, so, yeah, things have gotten better um, for African-Americans when you talk about the political, their legal and political rights. They can marry mm -hmm. who they want. Um, they can live where they want. They can vote. But, man, the, the legacy, the structural legacy of racism still exists, man. Right. True. And that's where I think government can make a difference. Right. Well, you're basically making my argument for me. Okay, so <laughs> let me tell you, you're right. You're right. First, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, the only point I have contention with is that progress is not a linear thing, right? Like it's it, true. We yeah. look, we look at progress like this thing that oh, I'm better than everybody in the '60s because now it's 2021, and that's not the case whatsoever. Sometimes progress is actually going down, going back. And I would say we're progressing in the sense that now things that um that were always baking the cake. Once again, like you go back to the police beatings. That's something that black people was talking about in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Like I had that conversation with my dad at eight years old. Yeah. About like how police will actually like fuck me up and lie about on a report. Like this is stuff we're saying. But now you see, because of um good old body cams and other legislation, that more of this is being brought to the forefront. And technology, you know, because everybody has a camera and stuff like that. So I will argue, no, it is better. I also will agree with you too about, once again, systematic things that are down. So yes, I I'm with you. But you know what? I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying. <laughs> but it is better. I'm going to agree with you. Because basically... After I go through this long soliloquy, I'm going to come to the same spot where I agree with you. So I might as well say I agree with you. Yeah, I agree. There are things that need to be done, but I do think the government needs to take a more active role because I'm with you. And most Black people are pragmatic about this shit, man. Racism ain't going nowhere. Like, our relationship is what America could be. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, our, the way yeah. our love and our mutual respect for each other is what America could be. However, everybody got a choice. And honestly, I feel like it's your right to be a racist asshole. Only thing I'm saying is don't block me. So that's why you got to put legislation in to try to stop some of that stuff, to curtail some of that. Because once again, the Voters' Right Act. You saw what happened as soon as um, that got repealed. Texas came in with some real <laughs> targeted man, voters' uh, discrimination Jim acts. Crow 2.0, man. Right. Jesus. So I mean, you can what you can do is put in safeguards, and that's what the government responsibility is. Like to know that yo, we're imperfect people. Like the whole. Supreme Court argument where racism is over, like who the what the fuck? Like, <laughs> really? That's your argument? Like, yo, this is why. Oh, yeah, that was a long time ago. No, keep those safeguards in because it's a historical fact that once again, black folks were targeted. So, yes, I agree with you. Government has a central part, and I think we need to be active in like putting those um safeguards in there mm -hmm. and have mechanisms for people to fight back legally. Because I always say, man, the next civil rights movement or big push is gonna be litigation. Now that I learned a little bit of the law, I'm a failed lawyer. Yeah, I actually failed out of law school. But uh, <laughs> yeah, since I'm a failed lawyer, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah. I see you in court, my guy. <laughs> That's the spot that we're going to get there. Like, to let people live up to these principles they claim they, they represent. So yes, basically, let me just say that to say, yeah, I agree with you. 
Great point. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yo, DJ L Spade. If you like this podcast, you might like my other show, The Random Show, featuring Alex Lake Caliber Hunter. On The Random Show, we talk about yeah, random stuff. <laughs> Check us out on YouTube. That's random. R A N dash D U M B. On Instagram, just look up random. And I want to talk about you being a consistent actor here in Japan and how are you able to do that besides being wildly talented. So for well, that, anybody that who wants to come to Japan. Whip my head around from one thing to another. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm a what? <laughs> oh, I'm an actor. Right, right. Are you an actor if you're if you're not working? <laughs> I know, right? It's funny, no. I've been doing this full time, this acting job for for ten years now, and from the get go, I was solid in the black, always working, you know. But the last the last year, and especially the last six months, and especially the last three months, has been kind of a wake up, man. It's been kind of few and far between lately. <laughs> okay, I must tell you a little inside pool, right? I was um, going to get my taxes done yesterday. All right, yeah. Um, and the lady was looking at my account, and she was like, "Remix model, remix model, remix model, remix model." She's like, "Are you a model?" <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me. She's like, "Like, look, you, you five seven and a half. You can't be a model." And she's like, oh, "Are you an actor?" I was like, "Uh, I, I, I'm an actor." And then I'm like, "You." Yeah. I thought to myself, like. Am I though? Because <laughs> like the jobs have been few and far in between recently. Because uh, I was doing a lot of jobs like yeah. for th- three years previous. Like I was consistently getting jobs, but like you said, this last year, oh, it's 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 been hard. But you're still getting jobs. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sorry to say, as an actor, you know, who you look like, your age, all those kind of things. You know, that's part of it. And, uh, you know, I, I have a, my own small little niche here. Um, and frankly, sometimes it's, it's, if you, for example, if you are a blonde white woman in Japan, um, young white, blonde, white woman, there are lots of them, frankly, from, from 20 to 30, you know, or, or 20 to 40. Right. Um, but you know, as a gray haired, uh, 50 year old, you know, there, there's, there's, there's few of them, right? And then there's even fewer who would actually uh, pull off some actual real acting. So, you know, that's how I get the jobs. That's, um, you are an actor. Like, your acting skills are superb. And I'm not trying to just ride your nuts, but I've watched you work. And the way you study a role and you actually encapsulate the roles, that shit is amazing. You did a commercial that was showing on the uh, Tokyo Metro trains. Right, yeah. You yeah. was doing an Indiana Jones-like character. Yeah. They, they, had you, they had you, like, locked up and stuff like that. And it was believable. You know, I, I don't know. Personally, I don't think I'm that, that good of an actor. But, like anything else, man, you just work at it and you'll get better, right? And I wait, feel wait, like wait, I you don't think you're a good actor? What's that? Wait, wait, wait. You don't think, you don't think you're a good actor? Um... You know, there are people out there who are kind of naturals at it, right? And I'm, I'm the kind of person who actually has to work at it. And I do work at it. And like any, anything else in life, you put effort in, you get better, right? 
So yeah, no, I, I've, I've figured it out now. And I look at some of the stuff I do and I'm like, yeah, I, I'm happy with it. Right. Um, but yeah, there, there's definitely people out there that I feel have a more natural inclination for acting, but I show up, I do my job seriously. I take it seriously. I'm a professional. And frankly, sometimes that's a lot more important than talent. You know what? Uh, I will actually contest to this too. You are a consummate professional on set. Like you, you don't grab ass. You don't play around when it's time to do that. And that's not a lot of people in the business in Japan. I'll go ahead and say it. If, if nobody else wants to say it, a lot of these people come on set and they're unprofessional. They're not ready. They don't know the lines or they try to be extra. And one thing I hate is the extra, extra. The extra, extra. What's that? <laughs> oh, you, you know the guy, all right? Your job is to be an extra. And my definition of extra and the business definition of extra is you stand in the back. Mm-hmm. You're ambiance. You're basically a plant. Background, right? <laughs> you know, background. You may walk from point A to point B. That's about it. But you have these other guys who sign up for extra who wants to be the, the main or the star. So they're always trying to jump in front of the camera or trying to throw in a line or just dance a little bit extra or do these big movements that kills the whole damn ambiance. It's like, dude, you're not the main. You're yeah. not the star. <laughs> Calm your ass the fuck down. Nobody cares. Like, dude, and you're only getting paid a buck fifty for this. Like, why would you even give these folks this free labor? Like, that's the another greatest trick they pull on you. Like, you're an extra. They'd be like, well, who wants to be in front of the camera and say a line? It's like, yo, I don't because you didn't pay me for that. You're not getting paid for it. Don't get mm-hmm. in front of the camera. I mean, that's how you can tell people who've been doing this a while and, and are professionals or not. Like, because frankly, if you're not getting paid for it, you don't want your face on camera, you know, especially in commercial work. Cause all it's going to do is hurt your work going forward. It's so funny. I'm not going to say it's a Netflix job we did. Um, well, me and my friend did in December. Okay. And they kept trying to lobby people to be in front of the camera. And I was like, no, <laughs> what I do that? Like for this piece of money you're giving me, I got to be out here from basically 5 a.m. 12 midnight. <laughs> And you want me to be on camera? Uh, nah, no, dude. Like, you see some people just jumping in. Oh my god, this is my big break. And I'm like, no, it's not, dude. It's not. Your <laughs> this is break. not your big yeah. break. Like, if they wanted you, they would have found you. You would have auditioned for the role, <laughs> <laughs> and they would have gave it to you. They don't want you, man. Calm down. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Right? But frankly, you know, like extra. You know, I I don't mind being an extra at all. I'm happy to be an extra. I think it's just good practice. You know, you can make the job what it is and you can do all kinds of stuff in the background, get, you know, practice getting into, into your character, whatever it is and interacting with other people or whatever, but just just don't do in front of the camera. (laughs) Facts, facts. So you weren't doing any acting in, in America? Because I was under the assumption that you was acting in America and then you just came here. Because I know at one point in time, you was also working for Disney, right? Yeah. Am I not supposed to say that? I don't know. I don't know. We, <laughs> Is that we an can talk about that some other time. Um, no, no, I was always kind of in the performing arts kind of thing. Um, you know, my entry into the acting world is I could sing 
and actually had some training really? singing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Why have you kept this a secret from me? Well, frankly, because I don't really sing that much anymore, man. And, and you know, it, it, the funny thing is, like, people think of singing as like you can sing or you can't sing. And I would say, like, you know, singing's like something you have to do every day, like a sport, you know, and you have to work out every day. And if you're not doing that every day, you know, you're not you're not in shape. So. I'm definitely not in shape anymore. I haven't been in shape for like 20 years. But you think you know a person. I've known you for almost 10 damn years. You've listened to my music. You've critiqued it. But you've never once told me you could sing. You think you know a person. Oh, my God. Well, I I, I could sing. And I, I think if I start practicing, I know I know how to do it. <laughs> but, so anyway, that that was kind of my entry into it, and you know, I did a lot of things. I was in a um, comedy group in uh, in university, you know, primarily again because of my singing skills. You know, they needed some people with singing skills, and that's how I got into that. And you know, on the side of it, um, I did some acting. It's funny of of like the skills you need to be on stage. Let's just call it acting, dancing, and singing. Acting was definitely my worst. <laughs> And it's the only one I'm doing now. <laughs> but yeah, granted, I think I've gotten better at it. I would say you've gotten like awesome at it. Once again, you're one of the most consistent faces in Japan that I know of personally. Like I can't think of anybody who works more than you. You know, there's people out there. I think I, like, in the last couple of years, I've just had a lot of exposure. You know, I've been a lot of commercials, right? You know, and there's a there's a good side and a bad side to that. You know, I very rarely go anywhere um, on a job where, where the production doesn't know who I am or does doesn't know my face. But as much as that can help you, sometimes it hurts you a lot too. You know, I was shortlisted for something ridiculous, like eight or nine commercials um, over the uh, the last quarter of 2020 into the first quarter of 2021. And I didn't get any of those jobs, you know, and I think it's because I'm the other guy. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But anyway, you know, I, I, I'm thankful, you know, I, I'm I'm really I say I'm grateful being able to do this in Japan and make a living at it, you know. I have my life, uh, I have good balance here, you know, between money, um, time for myself, time for friends, everything. And it's, 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 it's a good life, you know, it's a good life. There is a money to happiness ratio. Because once again, we just talked about the living wage, which the living wage is only 26000 right? Like literally, if you're making <laughs> over 26000 you're over the poverty line. But that is not enough money, right, for anybody. Well, especially Seriously. if you're a family of four. No way. Exactly. Like For one person, that's not enough. But I realized that without getting too uh, philosophical, that success is kind of a relevant term because as a musician here and a musician and an actor, people always tell me, well, I don't know. You're not famous or you're not a millionaire. I'm like, but what's your job? Well, you know, I work at this paper company. Well, how much you make a year? 35,000. I'm like, well, I make more than that doing music and acting. So, like, why are you not a failure? <laughs> like, seriously, it's, like, it's crazy. It's like, it's one of those things. If you tell people you're an actor or a musician, for some reason, if you're not a millionaire or like Taylor Swift le level popular, you're a failure. And I, I don't get it now as I get older. I'm like, but I'm making a decent living. You know, I'm making more than 35,000 a year. 
doing stuff I like. Yeah, doing art, expressing yourself. I mean, and, and how satisfying is that? You know, and you you, you know you don't you don't need to make a lot of money to to be happy doing this kind of work. And I, I, yes. you know, I venture to say that's not why people do it. I mean, if you're if you're out here to make a buck, you know, and we, you know, we all obviously we all need money to get by, but you know, you're doing it for because it, it does something for you. And that's why I'm doing it. Yes. And you know, it's ended right there, man, on a powerful note. <laughs> that's the Common Dollars Podcast. Just a man doing the best he can with what he got. Thank you, Uncle Don, for redoing a messed up podcast for me. Love you to death. And check out my music on Spotify, a DJ L Spade. Check out my show with Alex Lex Caliber Hunter, the random show on YouTube. And Uncle Don, tell the folks where to find you at. Where to find me at? You know, I try to stay hidden. <laughs> no Twitter for this guy. <laughs> None for me. None for me. The only place you can find me is on this podcast. If Marcus ever invites me back. <laughs> oh man, you're coming back again. You already did tw- twice in one week, so we gotta get you back again. <laughs> All right, and we out. Y'all guys be safe.